This episode of Eat the Rules is brought to you by You on Fire. You on Fire is the online group coaching program that I run that gives you a step-by-step way of building up your self-worth beyond your appearance. With personalized coaching from me, incredible community support, and lifetime access to the program so that you can get free from body shame and live life on your own terms. Get details on what's included and sign up for the next cycle at summerinandin.com forward slash you on fire. I'd love to have you in that group. This is Eat the Rules, a podcast about body image, self-worth, anti-dieting and intersectional feminism. I am your host, Summer Inanin, a professionally trained coach specializing in body image, self-worth, and confidence, and the best-selling author of Body Image Remix. If you're ready to break free of societal standards and stop living behind the number on your scale, then you have come to the right place. Welcome to the show. This is episode 196, and I am interviewing my good friend, Sarah Salmon, who is a TEDx speaker and coach who specializes in helping overwhelmed introverts get their energy back. We're talking about what it really means to be an introvert, why the world was built for extroverts, how to know if you're burned out, and how to set boundaries so you can recharge and focus on doing what you want. You can find all the links and resources mentioned in this episode at summerinandin.com forward slash 196. Before we begin, I want to give a shout out to Lana SH11, who left this awesome review. Wonderful. I'm on a mission to listen to every episode. Summer's energy is so uplifting. I love how listening to her talk makes me feel. Thank you, Summer. Thank you so much. That means so much to me. Wow. If you're going to listen to every episode, I, yeah, I don't know. Some of those earlier ones, they were done a real long time ago. I don't even know what I said on those, but I love that you're into it so much. Thank you. I really appreciate that review. If you haven't already done so, it would mean the world to me. If you went to iTunes and left a review for the show, you can search Eat the Rules, click ratings and reviews and click to leave a review that helps others define the information that you're learning here. And you can also get the free 10 Day Body Confidence Makeover that was brand new as of March 2021 at summerinandin.com forward slash freebies with 10 steps to take right now to feel better in your body. You may hear in my voice that I have a sinus cold right now. Don't worry. I recorded this episode weeks ago when I was fine. And I wanted to uh, record this episode. So Sarah is a really good friend of mine. We've known each other for several years and have made similar kind of parallel transitions in our lives uh, as it relates to like working in a corporate world, then going into nutrition. We actually met in a nutrition school many years ago and then both did the same uh, life coaching program. And so the the reason why I, I wanted to have her on the show is because she's my friend. No, just kidding. <laughs> That's not the only reason. Um, is because uh, she specializes in helping introverts. And I find that to be so interesting because a lot of the work I do with people, well, I would say it's probably like 50-50 introverts and extroverts that I work with. But one of the things that I find when I work with introverts is that they often have like expectations of themselves to kind of be more extroverted. And and I think like owning the qualities of, of being an introvert is not something that's necessarily like valued as much in our society. It doesn't carry as much like social currency in a way, because if you look at even just like the archetype of like the ideal woman, you know, you would think that she's probably more, she's probably got more like 
extroverted qualities. Like, you know, she's the life of the party and like really outgoing and very sociable and accommodated to everyone and everything else. And I think that, you know, sometimes as introverts, while we can be those things too, Sarah debunks some of the like myths around what it means to be an introvert in this interview. I think that oftentimes, you know, just like owning the fact that like, I really like solitude or I like to be myself by myself, or I don't always want to be social all the time. Sometimes that's a process I'm working with clients on as they really start to like own who they are and understand like what their what their real values are and what makes them feel fulfilled. And so I wanted to bring this in because this podcast is about more than just body image. It's really about self-worth and knowing who you are and knowing these aspects of yourself is a really big piece of that and being able to own those things. And so even if you're not an introvert, that's totally fine. I think that you can absolutely benefit from listening to this because you'll get to know your introvert friends better. And you'll understand the differences. If we say no to you, it doesn't mean that we don't like you. It means that like, we probably just need to really recharge. And so I feel like this episode is relevant to both extroverts and introverts. And we also really get into like burnout and how to recover from burnout, as well as like boundary settings, which I think obviously applies across the board, whether you're an introvert or an extrovert, and how to manage the guilt that comes up with boundary settings. Sarah's got an amazing answer on that. So I'm super excited about this episode. Let's get started. Sarah Salmon is a coach helping overwhelmed introverts get their energy back so they can actually have a life outside of work. With over 10 years coaching experience and a master's of arts in communications, she brings a wealth of knowledge to help you go from being exhausted and just not caring to energized and feeling like yourself again. Sarah is a proud homebody, INFJ, brain tumor survivor, TED talker, and highly sensitive person. Let's get started with the show. Hi, Sarah. Welcome to the show. Hi, Summer. How's it going? Good. How are you? I'm good. Long time no see. Hmm? Thanks, pandemic. So Sarah and I are good friends and we live in the same part of the world, although you live a ferry ride away from me. And I'm excited to have you on the show today to talk about the work that you do and how it relates to just stepping more into who you are and really owning those things about you and setting boundaries and being able to kind of like reclaim your time and energy as an introvert. And I think this is also like an important episode for extroverts to understand introverts. <laughs> I think so. Yes. Yeah. Because I feel like there's some misconceptions that we'll get to. But before we dive into all that, I would love for you to start by telling everyone just a little bit about your story and how you got into this work. Gosh, that feels like this answer could take me 10 years to tell you. But let's just start with the short term. So as you know, folks, we're all in a pandemic. And at time of recording, it's very much still in play, at least where Summer and I live. So a year ago, I was off work because I lost my job due to the pandemic temporarily. And this kind of feeling came up in me again that I wanted to be self-employed again. And I have been in the past. In the past, I have worked as a nutritionist. And that's how Summer and I originally met. And then so I was very successful doing that. And then that evolved into coaching. Again, Summer and I have these things in common. We have the same coaching qualifications. And I ended up coaching people who had been through major health issues and helping them really make the most of their life after. So basically this idea of coaching people through this concept called post-traumatic growth. And that was awesome and rewarding. But for me as an introvert, it was very draining having to carry these heavy stories for people. 
And so coming back to last year, you know, the pandemic hit, I lost my job for a few months, and this sense of wanting to be self-employed came across again. And so I really did a lot of coaching on myself and really dug into like, who do I like hanging out with? What am I passionate about? And what really gives me energy? And slowly over last year, this is what happened is it evolved into Introvert Advocate, which is the company that I have now and kind of my base through which I do my coaching. And so how do you help people? Yeah, good questions. It's such a long story. It gets me, you know, I digress. So really what I focus on is I help overwhelmed introverts really get their energy back, ground back in who they are so that they can have the energy to have a life outside of work again so that introverts can have that energy that they envy in everyone else. And that's really the focus of what I do. And it's really about helping introverts be themselves, which is so much easier to say than it is to actually do. Yeah. So and how did you discover that you were an introvert? And what point in your life did that come about for you? I know that you're familiar with Susan Cain and her book, Quiets, which is like the introvert's Bible. So if you're an introvert and you haven't read that before, that's definitely a resource I would recommend. But I read that. And then I think just before her book came out, she had this TED talk. And that's really what started spreading this or bringing this idea of introversion more into the mainstream. And that's an acceptable thing. And it really struck me then. But when it really, really hit home for me was when I was struggling, I was just so exhausted all the time. I was feeling overwhelmed. That was kind of evolving into anxiety. And I think it was you, Summer, actually, who said, hey, why don't you go work with this coach that I have worked with? She's really awesome. And that was Carrie Ann at Daring to Suck. So I was coaching with her. And after a few sessions, she says to me, Sarah, I think a lot of the struggles that you're having are because you're an introvert. And this kind of whole sense came more into reality for me. And I was able to do some research, read Susan Cain's book. And then it was just this massive aha moment, like there's nothing wrong with me. I'm just having to or have been living my life in such a way that works for everyone else and not for me, because the majority of people out there on the extroverted side of this spectrum between introversion and extroversion, and I was just doing what everyone else does, and it simply was not working for me. So that's when I found out and when I really started digging deeper in order to start making decisions that work better for me and really trying hard not to worry so much about what everyone else thought about those. Yeah. And that's so interesting because that's like later in life. Like it's not like you knew that as a kid. And so would you say that that's fairly common for people to sort of discover this about themselves later, like like before, you know, like after childhood, after their sort of like most social kind of years, like beyond their 20s and stuff? I would say so definitely for people our age, because it wasn't part of the common vernacular when we were young. Like even now, my mom feels like being an introvert is a bad thing. I'm still trying to convince her on this, but I think there's a generational aspect to it. I have friends who have young kids the same age as yours who just they know right away that their child is an extrovert or an introvert. But for people our age, I feel like it definitely came through in our kind of late 20s, early 30s as we started coming to awareness of these things. But there's nothing more exciting for me than to meet someone in their early 20s and for them to kind of have this awareness around themselves and to start making decisions that really work for them. Because as you know, as we get older, we just don't have the same energy just because we're getting older. Like I need a solid eight hours sleep a night. And so all of these things around being an introvert, at least for me, just become more amplified just because I feel like I'm getting old. (laughs) Yeah. And I know, you know, you know, my story in terms of discovering that I was an introvert kind of in my probably like, I think I was around 30 or 
maybe just in my early 30s. And I was talking to a guy that went to the same gym that I went to. And he was, and I can't remember what you're talking about, but he was like, Summer, he's like, you're an introvert, you know? And I was like, no, I'm not. And we'll talk about that because I feel like there's almost like this stigma. I mean, not actually like actually stigmatized against, but there's a stigma against kind of the qualities of an introvert, or at least what people assume it means to be an introvert. And, and he was like, and, and you know, he just, he kind of put it to me plainly. He was like, well, <laughs> you know, are you drained by being around a lot of other people? And I was like, yeah. And he's like, yeah, he's like, you're, you're an introvert. <laughs> I was like, what? And then that changed so many things to me. So let's talk about that. Like, what does it mean to be an introvert? Because I feel like there's so many myths about it. Yeah. So the very kind of simple explanation of what an introvert is, and you have to always talk about it in context of being an extrovert because they're on the continuum. So you can imagine a line on one end is introvert, on the other end is extrovert, and we all fall somewhere on that line. No one is 100% one or the other. So that's an important place to start. And the whole concept of being an introvert was discovered and labeled and researched by Carl Jung, who's a very famous psychologist from way back in the day. And then his work has been built on by all sorts of people, including the Myers-Briggs type indicator people who used his work as a grounding point and to further develop this whole idea of having these different personalities. So for example, I'm an INFJ and I think that you're the same. Is that right? Pretty close. I'm either that or just slightly one letter off. An ISFJ? What's the opposite of J? If you're not J, what are you? A P. Maybe, I don't know, pretty close to INFJ, if not completely. (laughs) I have to take it again. Some of them are kind of in the middle. Like you said, it's on a spectrum, right? Yeah. The important here thing that we're talking about here is the eye because there's so many other things we just have to acknowledge that influence who you are and your preferences and your personality and things like that. So we're just talking about one small part here. But basically, being an introvert is an energetic preference. So you, as an introvert, you prefer to be on your own in a quiet, calm place. And that's what allows you to recharge and give you energy versus an extrovert who likes to be among lots of people in very stimulating, noisy, hectic environments. That's what fuels them. That's what gives them lots of energy. And so the very basic definition around an introvert is that you just like to be on your own to recharge and that's what gives you energy. So you can imagine then being with lots of people all the time actually ends up draining you. Even if you're having a good time in that moment, that is basically the most simple way to determine if you're an introvert on its most simplistic level. So introversion is really about how you like to recharge, like your preference around how you like to recharge and then how you handle stimuli coming in. So you're more likely to like quieter, calmer environments, for example, than hectic, crazy ones. So that's kind of a good sense. But there are, as you say, so many myths around it. I don't know, what's something that you've heard that has just driven you crazy? Oh, I think just this idea of being like kind of shy and like awkward and like, you know, just being sort of like the meek person who doesn't really speak up, you know, like that sort of type of stereotype, I guess. Which is hilarious because if anyone was to hang out with us in person, they would see that we're definitely not shy or meek or anything. (laughs) So this whole idea of being introverts or this myth around introverts being shy is that people don't understand what shy is versus introversion. So being shy means that you're self-conscious in social settings, right? So we can all go through phases of feeling shy, even extroverts, like everybody can go 
through these phases of feeling shy. It's just, it's often very situational. But the thing is that introverts, we have a tendency and our kind of personality is such to, if we're in a big group of people, is to sit back, pay attention, observe, kind of get a read on the room. And then we say our piece, add our bit when it feels right to us. Like we just don't feel the need to talk and contribute all the time. We kind of observe and then make it a highly profound statement, for example. Whereas someone who's shy, if we imagine um, a shy extrovert next to just an introvert, the introvert is comfortable in the room, paying attention, kind of considering their contribution, whereas a shy extrovert, you might expect them to want to talk all the time, but they're concerned about being judged in that situation. So they're more likely to not talk because they're worried about what people are going to think of them. Mm, yeah, that makes a lot of sense. And then I think as well, the shy thing comes from like when we're kids, like I'm not a parent, so you correct me if I'm wrong, but my experience when I was a kid was that my parents would say, oh, Sarah, don't be shy. Go say hello to so-and-so. Don't be so shy. Go play with your other kids. When it was a complete mislabeling more so, it was just that, first of all, I don't feel a need to go play with all those kids. I'm happy playing on my own. But also, I was probably just tired and overstimulated, which is a real common problem with young children when they're introverted. Yes, that makes a lot of sense. I'm like 99% sure that my son is introverted because I can see how he gets drained in situations and how like afterwards he just needs kind of like really like to just cuddle and be quiet and how, yeah, he kind of goes on the brink when there's like too much, like too many people and too much stimulation. And I'm like, <laughs> my husband and I, because we're both introverts, I'm like, we both see that in him. And so I really try to avoid sort of labeling him as shy or anything like that. I just respect that he's just managing his own energy. And I'm, I know there's instances where perhaps he is a little bit just not totally confident saying hi or something, but he's two and a half. So it's fine. <laughs> but I, I'm not going to push him to be something that he that he's not. <laughs> yeah. And then to that point, like another thing, you know, people think introverts are shy connected to that is that people often think that introverts are socially anxious, which again is not the case. Absolutely anybody can be socially anxious regardless of where you fall on the spectrum of extroverted versus introverted. And basically social anxiety is more like extreme shyness. So that is getting the way in the way of how you live your life. So you're absolutely not going to go out because you're so concerned about what people are going to say or how they're going to judge you in a social setting, which isn't an introverted thing. Introverts just like prefer to not go out into certain situations because they know they'll be so draining for them. And so it's more like we don't need to go out. Whereas, for example, an extrovert who is socially anxious, their personality preference is to go out and have that social contact and to build their energy. But there's that kind of push-pull in that situation where they're actually concerned about what people are going to say about them and that kind of sense of being extremely shy such that it can even be a diagnosis from your doctor. Yeah, and I think like, you know, for people who don't realize they're introverts, they try to like perform and then they think there's something wrong with them because they're not able to kind of like, it doesn't feel right. And I guess that leads me to my other question is just, you talk about the world being built by extroverts for extroverts and how that's kind of like the ideal. So I guess my first question is like, how do you see that 
showing up? And then what's the impact on introverts as a result of that? Yeah, I mean, it shows up in all areas of life, like much like the kind of work that you do, there is this ideal that we're expected to live up to. And that ideal is that we're loud and gregarious. And where we like to go out after work and be very social. And it's everything that you see in the world, the world is a very noisy place, whereas introverts being only about 30% of the population, depending on where you live in the world, being much quieter often just means that influence is not as loud. And so the, the emphasis has always been on the what we call the extroverted ideal. And it makes it very hard for introverts because we've been told this one thing our whole lives that not even outwardly told, but that's just this container that we've been in of extroversion that makes us feel like there's something wrong with us. When really there's absolutely nothing wrong with you. It's just that the world is kind of built in preference to extroverts. Yeah. And I think that really shows up a lot in corporate culture in terms of like, okay, we're all going to get together for drinks after work, or we're doing a happy hour on Friday, or we're all going out for lunch. And like, I'll talk about it from my personal perspective instead of other people I know. So I'm not sharing their personal lives. But like that type of stuff is always, I was always just like, oh God, like, please, please, let's just not do that. There's a lot of pressure because, you know, it's like a work thing. And then you feel like you need to go in order to be part of this camaraderie, almost this team building at work, like it's kind of built into that, right? Yeah. And I remember that with the coaches training. I don't know if this was like this for you when you went, but the people leading the sessions on the over the weekends and stuff, they would be like, okay, we're going to meet downstairs if anyone wants to meet us for a drink after. And then, you know, groups of people kind of in the coaching program developed their own little group of they were really social with each other because they were sort of hanging out outside the class. And I just didn't have it in me, especially as you know, there was like eight hour days in this coaching training, where you're doing some like really intense emotional stuff. And like, the last thing I wanted to do was talk to anyone. Like, I just remember coming home and being so exhausted after those. And yet, like kind of the extroverts in the class would get together and hang out more. And I, I remember feeling left out, like, because I remember coming back the next day, and they were all like chatting about stuff. And I wasn't a part of that. And so I feel like that's a hard thing. And I've talked to you about this before. It's like you you kind of have the, a bit of like FOMO because you're missing out on that. But at the same time, like you are honoring yourself. And it's just it's like, there's a bit of hard feelings, like a sense of loneliness, sometimes, I think. Yeah. And I think that like, when I did the coaches training, I don't know if you remember, like I was staying with you on the weekends. Remember, for five months, I came and stayed with you like once a month from the weekend. And when I was doing it, I had the exact same experience. So I'd come back to your place, I couldn't even go back to my own house. But luckily, you and Mike are both introverts came back, we did dinner. And then I was like, okay, I'll see you in the morning. And I was literally going to bed at like 830. Because I'm like, so exhausted. But luckily, we have the understanding that like it was an exhausting day and it was no big deal for me to just step away. But yeah, that is exactly your experience is that when you get there in the next morning and you just feel like you've messed out because, you know, maybe they all went out for dinner and they saw some celebrity or something. There's some big thing that happened, but you weren't a part of because your preference, like you really just needed to go home and be on your own if you were to survive the next day kind of thing. And that's where I think like this myth of being, like you say, like antisocial sort of comes out of it. But you're not, you're just trying to honor what you need and what your body needs. And I think that that's, it's really important to do, like so important, because we'll talk about the consequences of not doing that. And yeah, and then I guess on a philosophical level, what is your definition of social? 
do you become antisocial, you know, when you're doing this thing all day and then you don't also then go out for five hours afterwards? I don't have an answer to that, but it's just infuriating to me as someone who works with introverts that so much is expected of us, just generally anybody that then you get labeled as being antisocial, which is completely not true. Like introverts, while we need to be on our own in a quiet place to recharge, and that's important to us, in the same way that for extroverts to go out and be socialized is important to them, it just, I've completely lost my train of thought, but... The point is, it's not, it's it's just a different, like you socialize in a different way. It's not, it's not that you're antisocial. So one thing I do in my programs and when I'm working with people is I always kind of get them to like map out like this vision of who they are when they weren't like preoccupied with thoughts about their body and, and dieting. And if those things weren't dictating like how they show up in this world. And one thing that I find that's really interesting is often the first run through, like people tend to gravitate towards more like more, almost like more like extroverted qualities. And then once we've kind of dug in and started working together, we revisit that same thing months later or weeks later. And oftentimes they're like, oh, that's not who I am. (laughs) They're like, but I have this vision of like, that's who I should be. And that's not who I am. And I think that's like tying into what we're talking about here is that to be able to like settle into who you are, even if it's not quote unquote, the ideal is like really freeing and liberating. Yes. And it it takes time and courage as well to do that because it happens one small decision at a time. At the end of the workday, just choosing to say, no, sorry, I c- I'm not coming for drinks tonight. This takes one little thing at a time for you to slowly start edging into honoring who you are. And it takes that one step at a time because you're feeling it out as you go. Like maybe there are some times when if we'll just carry on with that same idea of going for a drink after work, maybe there's some locations, like some places that you go, they're actually okay for you. Maybe if you had a choir today, you didn't have any meetings and you were just like plugged in with your headphones working really well. Maybe you do have the energy to go out for a drink and it happens to be at a quieter, maybe it's more at a restaurant than a bar. Whereas if you had a busy day full of meetings and then everyone's going to bar, that's too much. So a lot of it is finding the nuance in what works for you and what doesn't. And it might be that going out for drinks with one group of people is not okay. It's going to be too much for you. Whereas going out with another group of people who perhaps are all happen to be introverts is actually a lot easier for you because the energy is a lot easier for you to handle. And so like, how does one honor who they are in this? Like, do you suggest, like, I actually just label myself that way to people. (laughs) I'm like, I can't do that. I'm an introvert. Is that what you suggest? Like in terms of when someone's saying no to something or when someone's trying to navigate this, how do you honor that in yourself? Well, I mean, it depends on your comfort level and who you're with. It's very contextual. Like I, I just don't even feel the need to say, even I'm an introvert. I'm just like, sorry, I'm unable to do that. And my husband's just like, oh, thank God she said that because he's incapable. And it comes down to the whole idea of setting boundaries, which can be super hard. I mean, it's just hard generally sometimes if you're not used to doing it. But for introverts, it's especially hard because we're so good at reading people, like their body language, their tone of voice. Like if you say something to someone, you'll notice maybe a little flicker in their eye or a little flinch in their face. And you're like, oh, shoot, that didn't land properly. And then you're like, oh, my God, I'm so sorry. I didn't mean to hurt your feelings. And then because we have these incredible powers of observation and intuition, when we kind of say, oh, I'm so sorry, I can't watch your kids tonight, for example, then we feel the weight of that response so much in such a heavy way, because we're really noticing all of that feedback from the other person, even if they haven't said anything yet. And so that makes it a lot harder for introverts to say no especially when a high proportion of us are highly sensitive too. So we really feel it very strongly. 
I mean, boundaries are hard, but then it becomes that much harder because we're that much aware of the reactions of other people. Setting healthy boundaries is the thing that is key. And there are very simple ways to do it. As an introvert, I have a great resource over on my website that teaches you how to do it. And it's just six very simple steps. And one of them is to literally prepare in advance what you're going to say. Because we all know scenarios where we have a hard time saying no. And it's to kind of prepare a bank of things that you can say to help you so that when you're in the moment, you're not fumbling for words and getting nervous about the situation. Because that's another thing with introverts is that when under pressure, we can fumble for words. And when we're feeling burned out, and like a lot of my clients are very much burned out, is that those words can just come out in the wrong order. And it it just makes it so much more anxiety inducing than it needs to be. So for introverts, it's always helpful to prepare ahead of time regardless of whether you're setting a, uh, setting a boundary with someone, or even if you're having a meeting, having the meeting notes ahead of time helps you prepare because we're not always that great at thinking on the spot. So how do you even know if you're burned out or overwhelmed because of you're not really honoring who you are as an introvert? Yeah, I mean, for introverts, there's a lot of commonalities amongst all of us when we're burned out. So, But for introverts, the things that you love doing you just don't have the time or energy for. As I mentioned, like when you're talking in the most extreme sense, your words don't come out in the right order, you're fumbling, you can even be knocking things over, that's moving into the highly sensitive side of things. You become very cynical. It's just a complete lack of luster for life for what you had before. And then as well, just this whole sense of being completely peopled out, I call it. So you get home from work and then, you know, you get home or your husband gets home and you always have that kind of how was your day conversation? Like what happened? How did this meeting go? You know, how was so-and-so? But if you get home from work and you just don't have the energy to speak to the person that you love most, like you just don't have it, that is a surefire sign that you're really not honoring the fact that you're an introvert through the day and ongoing, you know, through your weeks and that you're most likely burning out. Yeah, that's, um, I'm trying to remember because we were talking about this and I remember you did that you had your post and you were like talking about the six signs of being burned out. And I remember one of them, I was like, oh, geez, that like well, a whole bunch of them actually, I was like, those are me. <laughs> <laughs> well, I mean, it's hard when you have a young kid and you're just not sleeping too. So that comes into it too for anybody. Yeah, I know. I mean, that's a big part of it. Like you said, the signs of burnout are kind of just the signs of of burnout, but they're less, I think it's like the sort of like being clumsy or not finding the words or forgetting stuff. I feel that's what it was. It was that stuff that you don't often like kind of know that are obvious signs of burnout. You sort of just think you're having a bit of a clumsy day or something, but it's actually a sign that you're burned out. Yeah. And you start feeling really overwhelmed for really no reason. Like something that you could have handled just fine three months ago now makes you feel super overwhelmed. And in the extreme sense, you start feeling anxious too. Like introverts that overwhelm can easily evolve into anxiety. You have to be careful because it's really not fun. Yeah. And the interesting thing you mentioned just a little while back was just about introverts also kind of being more prone to being highly sensitive, which I think, again, is something that people don't want to honor because there's also just this sort of like stigma around being like, oh, you're just so emotional. And I think a lot of the messages that people received when they were growing up were things like just, you don't need to cry, like you're fine. You know, why are you so emotional? Like just making it feel like it's something to really be ashamed of. And I know that being highly sensitive doesn't always equate to being like more emotional, but it just means you feel things more deeply. Is that the best way to sort of describe that? Yeah, it's basically in the most simplistic sense, how your nervous system, how your body responds to inputs. 
So if you're highly sensitive, you're going to have a harder time with like loud, noisy places. A lot of stimulus is going to overwhelm you very quickly. And then if you imagine like your son, Dylan, that he could also be highly sensitive too, but he also just doesn't know how to regulate himself yet in that regard. But for example, I know I'm highly sensitive because I just don't like loud noises. Bright lights are really hard for me. I get overwhelmed. Like, it's just something that's very hard to describe. Like my whole body feels very overwhelmed and I just have to get out of there. Yeah, I've heard that before and like sense of smell and stuff. I remember when Rachel Cole was on the podcast a long time ago, she talked about this too. Just being in a bar and like just being like, I have to get out of here right now. <laughs> like it was just so much. And then that often leads to little introvert meetings in the bathrooms. Because <laughs> that's the only place we can get to. But that's kind of where we go just to get like a little break from all the stimulus coming at us continually. Yeah, that's really interesting. Because I think it's like, again, it's just one of those things that a lot of us don't learn about until later on. And it connects a lot of dots and having that information would make it a lot easier to just accept that that's the way you are and be able to nurture that versus trying to criticize yourself for it. Yeah. And so many people, when they discover that they're an introvert, they're like, oh my God, there's nothing wrong with me because everything you've been shown is the complete opposite to who you are. And it's just, you know, it really makes you feel like there's something wrong with you. So it's such a light, a load lifted. But then what introverts don't realize is that we have all these skills that other people just don't have. Like what? So we're talking things like this power of observation, being able to walk into a room and like read it in an instant without anyone saying anything. You know that something just happened in that room and that you're just going to sneak around the edge and just pay attention and see where is this dynamic coming from? Is there two people who just had a bit of a face off? There's some tension, things like that that extroverts just can't do. And I think there's a lot that us introverts take for granted that things that we do that other people simply can't, like we're so intuitive. We were to get together and I can tell someone from 20 paces that their mood and I have no explanation as to why, but it's very much to do with the fact that I'm an introvert. Yeah, I feel like that's what makes us good coaches because you like can just get to sort of like the things underneath because you sense them really easily. Yeah. And and sometimes it's wrong and that's fine, but it really helps in communication when if I remember a scenario when I was at work about six months ago during the pandemic and one of my colleagues walked into my office and was really stressed. And I could tell as soon as he walked in before he said anything. So I immediately kind of gave myself like an internal kind of talking to saying, okay, he's stressed out. Nothing he's going to say is personal. And then out came this tirade of stuff that he had to say. And I was just like, I'm so sorry, having a hard day. Like, how can I help? But I knew that was coming before he first stepped into my office. And that's so handy because I have been in situations where I've been talking to someone who's an extrovert and they say something to me and it hits really badly. Like it's one of those statements that just kind of hurts and they just completely don't notice. They just keep going. But if that was an introvert, they would pick up on those nuances right away in my reaction. It's also like the word, the thing that keeps me awake at night, because then I analyze conversations I had with people like 20 years ago. And I'm like, I'm like, oh, oh, like, did I offend them? Like, I overanalyze everything because I'm like, I'm so in tune to the reactions. And I'm like, I'm probably wrong half the time. It's okay. Yeah. But it's also that sense of overthinking that can be for every pro that it can go into a dark side when it gets too strong. And so overthinking is definitely something that I know we both suffer from. But it's an introvert thing where you just keep ruminating and going on and on about something in your mind. And uh, I literally have post-it notes all around my house to just be like, Sarah, just keep it simple. 
But one of the things I really wanted to get at, because I feel like you're so good at this, is when you set boundaries and you say no, like, how do you recommend someone kind of manage like the guilt that comes from feeling like they're letting people down? Because I think that that's a really common thing that we struggle with. And therefore, we say yes to things that we don't want to be saying yes to because we're just like, we don't want to let other people down. We don't want to hurt their feelings. Yeah, I think this is hard for everyone, but for for introverts, for the reasons that we already discussed. But so guilt is just a feeling. It's just an emotion like anything else. And it's a sign that you're just in a sense of discomfort. You don't feel guilty. Guilt isn't a feeling that happens only when you're doing something wrong. It can happen when you're doing something right as well. So that's an important thing to point out. The essence of it here is that one of the reasons you know that you should have said no in the past is that you feel resentful afterwards. So let's say you offered to help someone move and you said you have a morning to give them and it takes all day and into the night, you're going to feel resentful. Like, where did my day go? So I always say to people is, would you rather feel that guilt that actually dissipates as you practice setting boundaries? Or would you rather continually feel that resentment, which can really negatively impact all of your relationships? Yeah, that makes so much sense. It's so true. Like while it's hard to say no to a friend, it's actually this ability to set boundaries is incredibly important to have healthy relationships. And if someone does not respect the fact that you're having to set a boundary, it really says more about them than about you. And of course, I'm assuming you're saying it in a sensitive and polite and considerate way. But their reaction to your boundary really says more about them and their ability to hold and set their own boundaries is perhaps is something that has never been modeled to them before. And so that's something that they have to own. It's not your responsibility to own that. That's really good. So as we wrap things up here, is there anything else that you wanted to share that we didn't get to today? Oh, introverts, you're just like amazing. You're my people. No, but if you are, one of the big things that are problems that introverts have, like, as we've been talking about, is this sense of saying no and setting boundaries. Because as soon as you're saying yes to things that exhaust you, then you can't actually have the energy to do things that you want to do, hang out with the people, with your precious people energy that you want to hang out with. So it's really important that you learn how to say no in a way that honors your introversion and helps you protect your energy. So I do have something over on my website at introvert-advocate.com. And it's basically my six simple steps to help you say no and set those boundaries. And I highly like if you're having problems with that, just come on, come on over and sign up for that, because I think it's, it's actually really, really helpful. There's a lot of steps in there. One of the steps is just don't say anything. It's not at the beginning of the process, but one of the steps is just let them say them in peace and don't say anything. It's very step-by-step and um, I promise it really, really helps. Yeah, that's awesome. It's so good. And so I will link to that in the show notes for this episode. And then where else can people find you? So obviously you mentioned your website and then where else? Yep. And then I'm on Instagram at Introvert Advocates. I'm also spend a lot of time on LinkedIn at Introvert Advocates and I'm at Pinterest as well on the same name. Awesome. I will make sure that I link to all those in the show notes. And thank you so much for being here today. It was awesome to catch up with you in this way. Thanks, Summer. It's always good to talk to you. Okay, talk to you soon. Rock on. 
I'm going to make this outro real short because my neighbor's hammering like crazy right now, but I know that wasn't happening during the interview, which is great. I record these intros and outros at a different time. Anyways, you can find all the links and resources in this episode at summerinident.com forward slash 196. You can find links to all of the links that Sarah has, including her boundary setting for introverts course, the six simple steps to saying no without the guilt. So you can get the quiet time you need to recharge as well as information about her coaching and link to her TED talk. That's all at summerinandin.com forward slash 196 because of my sinuses and the hammering that's happening. I'm going to wrap this up real quick. Thank you so much for being here today. I appreciate it. Rock on. I'm Summer Inanin, and I want to thank you for listening today. You can follow me on Instagram and Facebook at Summer Inanin. And if you haven't yet, go to Apple Podcasts, search Eat the Rules, and subscribe, rate, and review this show. I would be so grateful. Until next time, rock on.